this is Ben Smith. I'm a photographer, and this is my podcast, A Small Voice Conversations with Photographers. Thanks for listening. people this is ben this is a small voice podcast featuring conversations with a diverse array of top-notch photographers chatting with me about their work their lives and their practice that's in case you're listening for the first time or you think this is something about religion in which case you will be sorely disappointed um thanks for joining me hello if you're editing pictures in front of the computer i like the one on the left personally if you're in the dark room with the red light and the chemicals you old romantic you if you're driving to work if you're doing your tax return if you're on your bike Turn this off. That's crazy dangerous. My guest today is a hugely experienced and highly esteemed photojournalist, John Stanmayer, who I will introduce shortly after this brief word from your sponsor, the ever awesome Charcoal Book Club, which, if you don't already know, is the world's first book of the month club dedicated exclusively to photo books. That's all. What's not to love about that? Nada, niente, nout, Leanne, nothing. Each month, Charcoal works with the most respected photographers and publishers in the industry to send hand-picked books directly to your door. Whether you're a professional artist or a photographer with a stock library or a novice who's just beginning to build their collection, Charcoal Book Club is an easy and affordable way to stay up to date on the most essential work in contemporary photography. The club offers free shipping to the UK, Canada and the US and members get exclusive perks such as signed copies, access to rare titles, members only pricing in their online bookstore and more. August book, for instance, is Somnyama Ngoyama Hailed the Dark Lioness by South African visual activist and photographer Zanel Muholi. I don't know if I've pronounced all that right, but it really doesn't matter. Check that out if you don't know it uh, at charcoalbookclub.com. I'm looking forward to that arriving. It looks beautiful. As usual, Charcoal are extending a very special introductory offer exclusively to small voice listeners when you sign up any photo book of your choice from their library for free. Go to charcoalbookclub.com. Use the special code of small voice when you sign up to receive your free book. For the latest and greatest photo books delivered to your door with free shipping and no hassles, check out charcoalbookclub.com where they continue with their mission to inform the mind and inspire the soul. John Stanmayer is an award-winning photojournalist, Emmy-nominated filmmaker and field recordist who for 20 years has worked in nearly 100 countries documenting the social and political issues that define our times. For 10 years, between 1998 and 2008, John was a contract photographer for Time magazine, during which time he produced 18 covers for them and photographed hundreds of stories, including the war in Afghanistan, the fight for independence in East Timor, the fall of Suharto in Indonesia and other significant world news events. Since 2004, he's worked almost exclusively for National Geographic magazine, producing over 15 stories, including 10 covers. John is now an emeritus member of the Seven Photo Agency, which he co-founded in his living room in 2001 with six other of the world's leading photojournalists. John is a recipient of numerous honours, including the prestigious Robert Kappa Gold Medal, POYI Magazine Photographer of the Year, and numerous World Press Photo, Picture of the Year, and NPPA Awards. In 2008, his National Geographic cover story on global malaria received the National Magazine Award. In 2012, he was nominated for an Emmy with the documentary film series Starved for Attention, and in 2014, was the recipient of the World Press Photo Award for his photograph taken in Djibouti, titled Signal. 
John has published a number of books, including Island of the Spirits, a journalistic anthropological look at Balinese culture, documented during the five years he lived on the island. He now lives on a farm in West Stockbridge, Massachusetts, with his wife, three kids and two dogs. When not on the road, he can be found at his gallery and coffee house, which he opened in 2013, combining photography and education around his passion for great coffee, wrapping the two around ethically procured human rights-based direct trade with the social issues represented in his photographs. So, John, man, he's done it all. He's seen it all. He's been everywhere in the past 20-plus years as a photojournalist. I was so pleased to get him on, unexpectedly at the time, because it was in the midst of the seven workshops I went to earlier in the year, And it was in itself appropriately serendipitous, since he talks about serendipity quite a lot. He's such a smart, thoughtful, articulate man. He's full of wisdom and enthusiasm for life and for photography and for his fellow human beings, I think you'd say. So there's learnings galore in this chat. Here's John Stanmire. I'd like to ask you about something you are speaking about here at these workshops. Um which is um, really about the idea that social media is the wrong term and that, and that the term you would you know, favour is, is self-publishing, which I think is a really interesting way of looking at it because it does kind of reframe what we're talking about. Can you give me a flavour of the kind of stuff that you were telling people at, at your presentation? Yeah, the realities of this thing that we call social media is uh is is that it's it's publishing uh, and we could call it self-publishing and it only is social uh, when we interact with each other Uh, when when somebody reaches out and and creates a dialogue uh, with you uh, through words through uh, written word or typed word or thumbed word uh, and and then it becomes social, where where we're interacting with each other, uh, and uh, where we message or write letters to each other, very much like a letter to the editor. Uh, a, a message is just that; it's a letter. We just don't use uh, conventional post; we use uh, electronic post, and it comes in as a as a letter that we call a message. Uh, and that, again, is the, is the highest level and, and really in many ways the highest beauty of, uh, of the social interaction that we call uh, social media. So really it, 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 it's about communication. It's all about communication. This podcast that you do is about communication. Uh, it, it's about sharing ideas, expressing ideas. Yours is that of, of the, the dialogue of photography, I guess, in the industry of photography and, and, and what, what you and others do in, in, in the, the, the act of photography uh, and, and in regards to um, what we call social media uh, is really an act of, of sharing ideas, of communication, uh, and therefore publishing. Yeah, I mean, you heard you say that we should be wallowing in the potential, as it were, which I thought was a nice sort of way of putting it, um, that, uh, you know, it's a fascinating time. It, it, it's it's always been fascinating. There, there was never a time that, that that you're almost not, you know, bursting out of your skin with the possibilities. Whether it was even during the film days when you'd get into a dark room and bursting with excitement of of, of an intrigue, maybe not so much excitement, but 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 wonderment 
of uh, uh, of the world that uh, was around you and the, the visual dialogue that you were you were interacting with of it, uh, and and creating a, a tactile reference that even in this room is is uh, hanging vertically on a on on a on a vertical surface behind you. We call a wall. Uh, that's communication as well, uh, and this act of communication uh, that that has again just as limitless possibilities of what can go vertically or horizontally or dimensionally uh, on a wall, the limitless possibilities of our means to communicate, not just today, but uh, for quite a bit of time. Uh, that act of possibility that we can, and, and I hope, uh, wallow in, to embrace, to give to, uh, because it has so much to give, not just to ourselves, but to everyone. Have you always had that kind of amazing, almost joie de vivre, or I don't know how to describe it, but this kind of enthusiasm for, 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 you know, for life almost? Is that something that's been with you, you know, forever? I just am who I am. I don't know. Uh, I, I am excited every moment that you wake up because you can do something, uh, whether it's you know, be by yourself or create something or be with those that you love. Uh, but in, I guess, this dialogue that you're asking, it is the act of, of, of what we can do, what, mm. what, what, what's possible, um, uh, almost at times taking the impossible into the possible, and, uh, but nothing is impossible. Um, I don't know if it's, I'm, I'm not some motivational speaker or anything like that. I have tremendous downs and uh, we all, you know, carry the weight of not only gravity upon us, but the, the gravity and the, the weight and measure of, of things that affect us, both internally and externally. Uh, it's, it's the, maybe the embracing of the temporariness that we are all in uh, to uh, be a, maybe a, a an emotional, spiritual, almost uh, functional desire in, in an act of moving forward. I mean, before we leave this topic of, of uh, social media, I think probably a couple more questions on that is that, uh, I mean, did you sort of see the potential for it very, very early on or did it take a little while to, 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 to sort of percolate in your head that this was, um, you know, something with great potential? Hmm. Um, I, I don't know what's early on. Uh, I mean, I, well, I, how I long? I probably, you know, went into fa well, I probably went into this thing we call Facebook, uh, you know, first. And uh, I remember it was a, a, a very good friend of mine who used to work for Apple, Martin Gisborne, who, you know, said, I don't know when it was, seven, eight years ago, which, you know, in regards to how we communicate today is, you know, like 150 to 800 years ago uh, of this thing called Facebook. And I said, why, you know, like any one of us has asked, and it's in many ways a typical question, not necessarily a naive question, but a, a bit of a, you know, why aren't you involved in this? And I said, I don't know. Okay. But I, I think fairly quickly I understood and, and could see the dots uh, of, of the the galaxy that was sort of there, and it really is that vast and 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 and, and spacious, of of what could be done within the space uh, that is always ever changing and and unique and special and and quite giving, and what what can we as as uh, as communicators what can we give to it? Mm. Uh, I'm not a technical person. 
I, I still can't figure out how to, you know, change profile <laughs> data or whatever it is, text and images that easily. I make mistakes, you know, uh, I'm sure all the time. Uh, but uh, but I, can, I can't solve uh, Rubik's Cube and I always screw up boiling an egg. Uh, but if I you know, decide that this is something that I can feel, I'm going to feel my way through it, even if I'm having to use many, many senses to uh, to 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 meander in it. So you're sort of very unnostalgic for pictures on a page, for you know, I don't know the days of film and darkrooms and all that, all that kind of stuff. You're you're resolutely kind of not looking back on any of that, or is there an element of, you know, some element of nostalgia for that? I have nostalgia for nothing. Um, all I care about is communication, and, and I'll communicate still as ink on paper or uh, light-sensitive paper that, that, that generates uh, something visual, um, and I will communicate on something that we all have ubiquitous in our pockets and in our hands uh, that's made up of you know, a series of numbers of ones and zeros that generates uh, a message. Um, I don't hold on nostalgia to anything. Uh, I'm just thankful. Thankful that we have uh, wet dark rooms to dry dark rooms, mm. to uh, the printing press, to uh, the internet, to uh, spatial communication that we haven't even you know, entered into yet. And when those doorways of, of, of communication open, uh, why not uh, enter into them and create in them and feel in them and, and, and give to them because they will give so much more. Mm. I mean, there seems to be almost a fetish for for analog photography, as it's known among among the younger generation. You know, almost perhaps because it's seen as kind of retro or something. Is that something you you can at least understand from that from their point of view? I completely understand yeah. it, but I don't really care. No, it's all about the storytelling for you. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. You could you could do a whole story on rocks and and and, and call them petroglyphs. Uh, we were communicators uh, twenty two thousand years ago. If you go to the oldest form of, 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 of uh, communication that's still with us today, uh, those are in caves in southern France. To, they were journalists. They were, they were visual storytellers. Uh, I don't care how you communicate. Uh, so let's go back to uh, carving on rocks. I do not care. Uh, it is about the act and the power and the beauty and the love and the giving of being able to share ideas that in regards to social commentary and art in general or whatever, but uh, I hope leads in a dialogue of creating understanding and awareness uh, of our commonality and our universality, uh, especially at a time when this is the only place and very much so will only be the place that we can live uh, and uh, uniting ourselves for the greater purpose of, of, of not just individually but collectively. And that's the act of communication and I think has always been. You you do quite a lot of workshops and teaching and mentoring. Um, um, I know you did a storytelling workshop with Anush mm-hmm. Babajanian, who's uh, one of your seven colleagues. So hopefully I'll be talking to uh, later today even. But um, how did your collaboration with Anush come about? Well, Anush and I have been working together for, for a number of years now, uh, very deeply. Uh, we started working together when I was working on a story for National Geographic in Armenia, uh, and uh, that was th- almost three years ago. Uh, actually, very soon, three years ago. And uh, we've done many, many collaborations together, uh, whether they were you know, workshops, 
Uh, we've worked together on a project to bring uh, understanding and, dare we hope, peace uh, between beautiful neighbors, Armenia and Turkey, uh, on a project called Bridging Stories, uh, where we worked with 24 young photographers, 12 from Turkey, 12 from Armenia, to tell their own stories of their commonality uh, and their universality as a, as a means to, uh, to bridge uh, understanding between uh, you know, very, very uh, important cultures that have so many, many similarities. Uh, and, 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 and sisterhood and brotherhood and not uh, to try to overcome indifference. Uh, we, uh, we've done uh, collaborative work uh, with photographers from Iran uh, in Tbilisi, Georgia. Uh, we've, uh, we started an NGO called Storytellers Cafe uh, that connects to bridging stories um, and uh, uh, the, the project of, of, of uh, dialogue between the two nations uh, and I'm sure we'll expand on that, and we're going to continue it uh, into its second year, and um, and we, you know, she's done some uh, self-publishing of, of books, and I try to support her there. Uh, we all support each other, and we we, we do a lot uh, between uh, for each other to uh, to support dialogue and and uh, really the the gift of communication that we both share. When you're teaching on these kind of storytelling workshops, I'm wondering if you know are there certain mistakes or failings perhaps that students are making which recur which you see a lot which you're you find yourself addressing you know over and over I think we all make mistakes sure uh, uh, so I don't want to uh, pinpoint or or focus on one I make mistakes all the time and 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 I don't actually see them as mistakes and I don't see anyone actually making mistakes I see us overlooking or maybe not going deep enough into uh, the visual dialogue of composition uh, of, of, of every photograph being in many ways an entire chapter of a novel and every bit of that moment uh, trying to pour and express um, meaning and purpose, uh, whether it's complex or simple. Um, we've been, I've never met anyone who, everyone has a story to tell. Uh, and some will use music, some will use written words, some will use you know, paint, acrylics, some will use dimensions and shapes, and others will use uh, uh, writing with light, which is what we do as photographers. And uh, when, I, when, I, when I teach workshops, uh, they are dialogues that are much more spiritual than pragmatism of photography. They're, they're therapy sessions. They're, um, they're a tremendous act of giving. Uh, of nurturing each other and and uh, and what's really really beautiful when doing it with someone like Anush that that, that we we balance each other and we I, I hope give to those that are with us uh, as part of a family really it's like a family uh, a nourishment and, uh, and and an uplift of our individual and collective uh, possibility in regards coming back to the individual of that individual's voice and dialogue. Uh, and and so nobody comes in with a, a repetitious problem. Everyone is unique. Everyone sees differently. And to remind them that they that they are um, not special because everyone is special, but that their voice and their way of seeing the world has purpose. Uh, a belief in themselves that they are also playing the act as a conduit 
of the world around them, uh, and we try to bring them into very deep, complex issues uh, where they, uh, through uh, sort of a conductorship, we're just conductors, and they're they're the they're the musicians of the of the symphony playing every instrument. Uh, we try to to conduct and and, and guide and, and nurture from them and, and grow from them this visual dialogue that becomes the dialogue of that visual symphony, which is the story they're trying to tell. Um, so, do some people have difficulties? We all have difficulties. Uh, I don't care who you are, and, and uh, it, the end result is is a, a an unbelievably beautiful and powerful story. So, we just did a workshop in Sri Lanka. A month and a half ago, two months ago, and all 12 photographers came out with very important stories, many of them that are slowly already getting published. Are there any kind of lessons that you learned very early on in your career that, that you know, kind of have stayed with you? Any particular uh, learnings that, you know, that you kind of um, came by the hard way in a way? As far as photography taking pictures or you know being a photojournalist goes there's nothing photography is a pragmatic act of using just a tool uh the the stumblings or the growth is happening today as it was many many years ago uh and always a stumble and always a, a pickup and and moving forward or trying to move forward um were there any lessons um you you have nothing falls out of the sky. Yeah. Uh, you have to climb out on the limb to get the fruit, and you have to be gentle, mm. uh, uh, supportive, nurturing of that tree, which is very much yourself, and also the tree of our of our collectiveness. Uh, you have to nurture that tree, and you have to climb out on that limb uh, gently and politely to get that fruit. Because if the fruit just magically falls down, it's already rotten. Uh, so it's a never-ending act of, of, of a lot of tremendous work, a lot of giving, um, uh, hopeful seasonal rains, uh, mm. some uh, moments where there will be drought uh, and, and difficulty to nurture that tree, uh, and then uh, serendipity and good luck when, when you have a harvest. Uh, that is that is the gift, uh, and uh, that cycle has nothing to do with photography, but it has to do with everything in life. Whether mm. you're a, a banker or a, a butcher or a weaver or a photographer or a, a, a yoga teacher, uh, you have to go through these cycles, and those are the greatest lessons that you never stop learning. Yeah, it sort of puts me in mind of a, of, a, of a similar but slightly different way of asking the question, which I kind of stole from someone else. Which is, um, do you have any favourite mistakes? Yeah, I guess which which you know I take to mean, you know, were there any mistakes that uh, that seemed like a bloody disaster at the time, but which ultimately proved to be a very valuable, you know, lesson learned kind of thing. I think I'm making mistakes constantly, and that 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 is the wonderment. I I, I don't know. I can't really remember because I probably have made so too many, many mistakes. Uh, but I don't see them as mistakes. I, I understand your question. Um, I, I don't hold on to nostalgia of of your your question about photography. Do I you know hold on to the nostalgia of <clears throat> you know dark rooms or whatever? Uh, do I hold on to the nostalgia of anything of myself? No, it's a, a constant. 
natural evolution that you hope moves forward, everything has a mistake that is an opportunity. Such a simple saying, but every mistake is an opportunity. And, and uh, you know, don't beat yourself up and, and, and be healthy, be kind to yourself. Be kind to those around you, uh, and, uh, and and try to grow nourishment. Um, maybe uh, you know to nourish myself more when I was uh, early on in my career, but I don't know that that would have really helped any per se, uh, because it it just always has been whatever it's been. It's what you give to it. Um, and again, mistakes all the time, but they're not pragmatic mistakes that I can remember. Mm. I don't know. Make sure the lens cap is off, I guess. <laughs> well, let me get a bit of context. Where did you grow up? What were your early years like? I, I, I guess it's sort of naturally scattered. Uh, I was born in, uh, outside of Chicago and mm. uh, grew up in the Bahamas and... Uh, lived in Florida for a bit. Um, I think definitely my, my years uh, in NASA and New Providence were, were fundamental pieces of my evolutionary upbringing because um, everyone's uh, product of, of any time in their life is, is always that of their, their evolutionary uh, life, their existence. Um, I lived in Europe many, many years, to, in Italy. I even lived in Madrid for a while, not too far from here. Mm. Um, now I'm, I guess, in, in, in early adulthood at that point. But uh, everything is, uh, you know, the pieces of tile that make up the, the floor that is the foundation uh, that, that you stand upon, that is yourself. Uh, and they're all pieces that, that uh, are a product of your upbringing. Mm. And the photography, when did that did it enter your consciousness, you know, as, as something that you were going to become interested in? It never had any context whatsoever until uh, maybe about 17 years old, <clears throat> where, I mean, my father had lent me his camera, um, but never with any, you know, parents never told me what to be or what to do. Uh, I did discover much later on, uh, after my father had died, that he was very, very passionate about photography. Um, never told me about it. Uh, not that it matters, but I discovered he had you know, like a camera with three lenses that I never ever saw until uh, until he was no more around to ask him, you know, what were you doing with this? Um, I have a lot of those photographs that I discovered later on too, but already I was a photographer, but I don't ever remember him saying, you know, you should be a photographer or anything like that. Um, it was, and I had no interest. I, I, I was living in Hawaii after high school, uh, and came back to the mainland and, uh, a friend of mine was going to art school and I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, it was, uh, just me. I'm sure scattered, uh, but just just a simple person, and uh, and I said, oh, you know, I'd, I'd I'd love to paint and draw, uh, and he says, oh, that's what I'm doing. But we had a little bit of a he had a bit of a competitive edge to him that I didn't mind, but I wasn't so into this competitiveness, and I felt that if if I were to to do you know the the, the advertising art design. Uh, aspect that, that it wouldn't be complimentary and uh, and I said what else do they you know 
what else do they do? And oh, they have you know fashion design, interior design, and photography. And I said, oh, I just bought this camera at a pawn shop, uh, and I'll uh, I'll take photography. And that's literally how it happened. Uh, I, I, no other connectivity other than that whatsoever. And uh, and I knew nothing about the camera, but I knew. You know, you just put it on A for, I guess, automatic. Uh, you know, didn't nobody taught me how to use the camera. I think I just, you know, you asked me mistakes you made. You know, constantly making mistakes to, to this very moment, I'm sure. Uh, but I just, you know, made mistakes, and, and, and I don't call them mistakes. I just sort of wandered through it, I guess. And uh, but I had no. I, we had three or four semesters of photojournalism, and I failed all three uh, or four semesters of it uh, because nobody inspired me to the enormous, enormous power of reality. Uh, so I was taken in onto the 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 the, the, the beautiful, uh, but and limitlessly filled. But for me, it was quite um, uh, dangerous. Uh, world of, of, of uh, art and fashion uh, and I uh, immediately after art school moved to Milan and worked in the fashion industry for, for many years uh, almost on a self-destructive course um, until uh, moving to Madrid actually and, and fed up uh, leaving the whole industry uh, I was working and, and it, it happened all too quickly and, and, and again very d destructively for me um, and uh, I met Peace Corps volunteers uh, in Madrid, uh, and all I wanted to do was to dig latrines and and, and, and build uh, you know housing uh, in Haiti. <laughs> That's where they were, and uh, and really in many ways uh, in Madrid I started to do what we call whatever we want to call it street photography, and um, uh, sort of discovering this unfathomable power of reality, the art, the indisputable art of reality that was far more um, uh, giving and creative, I would even say, than the limitless madness that was going on in my head that I would create, which was very, very creative. No regrets in it uh, whatsoever. It, it was a, a very, very elastic very liquid um, and, and really beautiful, but it was all about what uh, I was seeing. And I was blind uh, to the realities that were before me. Uh, again, probably because I, nobody inspired me to the, the, the power and, okay, the creative power uh, and purpose of the art and the beauty and the pain uh, and the incredibleness of reality that is incredibly on the creative side important to create and uh, and that began in Madrid and going back stateside not getting into the 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 Peace Corps I was completely completely dejected and and, and so hurt and I left photography uh, and and then a series of events took place where um, where uh, the I came to a greater understanding that that this tool, which is all that a camera is, can be the same shovel and the, the same uh, pliers and the same nails uh, that could uh, build an outhouse uh, can be used uh, under the the understanding that I had or whatever little bit of talent that I had 
to be able to uh, take from the almost narcissistic approach of what I was uh, seeing and, and creating in, in the art world, which was incredibly important to me, but wasn't fulfilling enough. Uh, to the in, and 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 understanding and putting together now the pieces later uh, that I didn't understand earlier of of uh, the, the 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 possibilities those truly limitless possibilities to use uh, uh, photography as a means of change. So you take photography and you take an, an interest in reality and then you end up with documentary or photojournalism. I suppose that's the kind of that's the connection there. When did you, like, do you remember the first thing that you tried to to do in terms of, um, well, either earning a living as a as a as a reportage photographer, or just in terms of what you know what you decided to to shoot? Uh, I don't I don't know. I never really thought about it. Um, the only thing I knew is that I, I came from the magazine world uh, in Europe. Uh, and I had to learn uh, uh, ethics. Uh, I had to learn storytelling. I had to learn some aspects of journalism, of course. Uh, and and after the rejection from the Peace Corps and a, a period of time where all I wanted to do was be on a boat uh, and think, um, I realized and, and came to a, a bit of an understanding, I guess, of uh, that... Um, I needed to learn these 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 pieces, uh, and I, I took a job at a newspaper, uh, just as an intern, uh, and sort of strange, I guess. But I, re I do remember the uh, showing them my work, uh, the the chief photographer, and uh, and it was all just fashion tear sheets and you know art projects and things like that. And he looked at me like, "Why are you applying here? You know, I want to do what you're doing, and and uh, you know you're." you're what are you doing here? And I said, no, I really want to be here. Will you please, you know, give me this chance? I want to. Uh, uh, I'll take the, you know, the the low level you know, assignments. Um, I need to learn, and uh, you know, probably I was semi overqualified maybe for it. I don't really don't know, but you know, they didn't. They wanted to do what I had been doing, and all I wanted to do what is what they were already getting tired of doing. And, uh, yeah, my first assignment was to photograph a college baseball game, and I knew nothing about baseball. I don't, still don't know hardly anything about baseball. Uh, and I had to stumble through it uh, to understand it. But I, I knew that I would only be doing this for a short period of time because I, I, I didn't have it conceptualized or anything. But uh, I work well, I hope, with people, but I, I'm... I come from an independent background, so I, where people at newspapers and there's you know newspapers are, are still there, and, and I value those that are are are, are staying to it, even in, in in all the losses that are happening, and some newspapers are, are getting successful again, um, but a, a lot of people lose the magic and the majesty and the possibilities because it became a job to them. You know, the the circus comes to town year after year, and. You know, the staff photographers that have been there a long time, like, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, I'll do it. You know, next year we come around again, and be like, I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. 
they lost the the magic of it, the the purpose of it. Um, they they were no longer excited. They no longer saw the fire, uh, the 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 beauty, the possibility. Um, and I quickly learned, fairly fairly quickly. Yes, I, I, I see that I'm, I'm much more, maybe more looser and, and independent. Um, uh, I'll use the paper as the paper uses me. Uh, and, uh, and, and I was very fortunate. It was a, a very large newspaper. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, and then went from an internship uh, uh, to, uh, uh, what did they call uh, no, I went from a stringer. Uh, that's what it's called. Mm. Uh, my father used to think it was it was uh, stringing up paper, uh, stringing <laughs> up photographs, uh, to uh, to an internship that should have gone to a college student. But I was an adult already at that point, and, and a lot of the people at the staff were unhappy with that. And then within a year, became went on staff, and uh, but I I just saw it as an opportunity. To communicate and to learn, and uh, and I worked there for five years, and 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 then re-entered the the world of, I guess we call freelancing, and, and, mm. uh, and, and that was it. Were there were there other photographers who you were sort of looking up to at that time, aspiring to to be like? Were there you know were you sort of seeking inspiration from any particular uh, people at that stage in your in your career? No, you know the 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 it's trouble but the i hope maybe interesting or just what it is uh i still my greatest inspirations uh, are not in the photojournalism world the helmut newton arthur elgord peter lindbergh albert watson uh i didn't know who cartier bersant was at all uh, until you know well into into working in, in in this thing we call photojournalism i was you know a dear friend uh, you know jim noctway was just another another photographer he was a friend before i started to understand that people idolize this guy and uh, i just saw him as somebody who understood his purpose and and gave to his purpose and did it well um i had no understanding of any of these people in in the cave of this business uh, i respect them all i have a deep respect for their work but I didn't have them at all as inspirations whatsoever because I either didn't know them or they were just friends of mine that I never sat there and analyzed their their work. I, I met them because we were both working for Time Magazine and we were both on contract and we we we're we're, we're a sort of like you know butterflies we 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 move in 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 groups and and those groups can naturally become friends and. Uh, and to me, it's a you know much more just a respect because they're giving to their art and they're giving to their purpose. And only much later on did I understand. And I don't know if I really care. I'm just I'm happy for them, and I'm happy for those who feel inspiration. And if that inspiration guides them, then that's a, a beautiful thing. But no one in everyone inspires me in our profession. Everyone, um, uh, not just one. Well, you mentioned your. Uh, relationship with Time magazine, which was a very fruitful one. How did that come about initially? I m left the paper, and 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 maybe I, uh, I'm a bit of a nomad. Uh, I moved to Asia, and uh, uh, ended up 
I had a, I was already at that point uh, represented by uh, Saba, Marcel Saba, when it was called Saba. And Time Magazine, of course, had its main office in New York, and it, it had an office in London, and it also had an office in Hong Kong, where I was living. Uh, and uh, sure, you know, you do the normal meeting editors and, and what have you. Uh, and uh, it was uh, then uh, director of photography in, out of the Hong Kong office, um, Lisa Bodos, who uh, I guess believed in me uh, and uh, very much, uh, you know, supported me and I'm sure other photographers uh, as well with assignments and one day uh, she in the New York office asked me to if I'd be interested in uh, working on contract for them and I was very very thankful and of course said yes and so began a decade-long relationship with the Time magazine. Yeah you worked a lot in Indonesia I think it's probably fair to say did you did you live there at some point or yeah I've been almost 20 years since 1996 what year are we now 19, 2018 yeah, yeah. so uh, maybe 1997 uh, yeah so 20, 20 years, years. Um, uh, yeah and then I ended up living in Indonesia for five years um, I have a, a you know you, you're asked a lot in this you know thing that we do you know where, where where's your favorite place and, and really the ground beneath my feet is is my favorite place just because you meet people who are on the ends of the earth and you think you're at the ends of the earth and reality is that they think that you came from the ends of the earth uh, uh, we we forget how you know interesting things are right where we are uh, so i'm you know absolutely enthralled as I have been in the past when I'd been here to Barcelona and, uh, in the city but uh, if there's if there is supposed to be one place or there could be one place that is uh, intriguing uh, it's Indonesia and uh, it feels like a second home mm. um, again because I, I live there I'm sure but I feel so connected to the people and the culture and, uh, and the history um, but yeah, very very close to to Indonesia. I mean, you obviously took to that to that lifestyle. Your you know the peripatetic kind of lifestyle. <coughs> Was that something you've always you always uh, enjoyed? Were there times when it becomes exhausting to you know do so much traveling to have to move around so much, or have have you always just kind of thrived on that? Mm. Uh, I don't know anything else. I don't really thrive on it. I don't. I don't. I'm not interested in the act of the travel, and I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't mean that so much. I mean, you know, the rootlessness of it. I suppose. I you know I I don't. I'm sure it's it wasn't, and although I they just don't know any better, so it's actually not really an issue. But you know, for my children, they they've always not not known my their father but they understand what i do and i'm when i'm around them i'm really around them and when i'm gone i'm really gone those are are difficult things i miss my daughter you know tremendously all the time she's 10 years old and we're very very close um, but my eldest boy is, is 18 and going off to college and, uh, you know, independent young gentleman. Uh, and middle boy is a teenager and discovering himself. And I'm not here to, to, 
I'm here to coddle them and support them out of love, but not to uh, to put them in a box for my own, you know, uh, self worth and fulfillment. I want to give them fulfillment and and, and self worth. So the act of what I do is in my own backyard in the Berkshires where I live in western Massachusetts, uh, as well as the this planet that we all live on. And uh, I don't know any better. I just don't know any any. I don't know anything else. And if there is anything that could connect to the past, it's because I, I did, uh, you know, move around as a child, not not like a child of a you know military family that moves, you know, or State Department family or you know member of government who, who moves around repeatedly. But um, I was never, and my mother was Viennese, was from Austria. And we'd uh, not travel a lot, but a few times as a kid. So maybe, uh, I, I think I've always been wondering what's over that mountain and, and what's across that water. But uh, I just don't know any better. Mm. And other than um, airports, uh, I just want to get out of airports as fast as possible. Um, I just happen to use, and it's a terrible carbon footprint, but the 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 act of an airplane uh, to go to the office, so to speak. But uh, really, it's just going to the the cradle of our collective existence, which is on this planet. And, and I'm I'm a storyteller. Yeah. And what? So, what were your motivations? You know, at that stage in your career, with with time, and you know, apart from obviously being a storyteller, um, what was motivating you to do the the stories that you were doing? Nothing more but the act of, of visual communication. Uh, 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 anger. Uh, That's kind of what is, I was... Is, yeah. the, is the biggest drive. Uh, the, the, the divisions, again, that I was too blind to see when I was younger, um, uh, too caught up in my own imagination of what I was seeing in my head and creating, uh, to be too blind, completely, uh, you know, blinded uh, by the enormity that was before me. Uh, I, I can't change the world. I, I thought I could, uh, and we can actually in some incremental ways. Uh, collectively, we absolutely can. Uh, but if I can make you know one person think, uh, I've done more than none. Uh, if you want to make money in this business, you don't do you know, social commentary. You do advertising. You do jewelry. You do fashion. Uh, you do architecture. You do pretty things. Um, so uh, to do this type of, of, of absolute heart and mind-shattering uh, layers of our existence uh, sort of moves a bit unfortunately in a in an act of of unpleasantness uh, and and an anger not ha definitely not hatred but sadness of that we do this to each other uh, and uh, you know there, there there is a important dialogue to be have of uh, are we making enough difference uh, and and I'm always uh, you know grappling with it uh, and it and it comes back to you know I, I really need to, to to dig some ditches and and build some uh, some some 
some septics uh, and outhouses um, because and, and uh, I have done that. Uh, I, sh I need to do more and 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 want to do more and do do, uh, but I do it in other ways uh, uh, as well, um, and and that gives some happiness or some comfort uh, in the unpleasantness of anger that you hope in your insignificant way can move collectively and individually our society forward. Uh, but in many ways, that's why we started Seven uh, and why I do partnerships on education and, and, and things of that nature, uh, or the Bridging Story Project with Anush, uh, to go beyond uh, just the, the, the photography and the communication that I do, uh, to have all of us tell stories uh, as a means of... of of moving all of us forward, um, uh, individually but collectively. Hmm. I'm not an idealist, uh, you, I, I'm yeah. a realist, uh, but I do also know, I realize very, very much so the, the reality of the possibility. And if we can collectively inspire each other to be catalysts of turning the wheel of change, uh, and if we use, yes, written words and, and photography and visual and music uh, and sounds, I'd like, like to sort of work with as many of those components as possible uh, in the repertoire uh, of, 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 of awareness and consciousness building, uh, that's how we move uh, ourselves forward together. Mm. And, not, uh, and, and I can't do it alone. It's not possible. It makes me think about, you know, how easy is it to, you know, remain relatively positive when you have seen, you know, the very dark side of, of human nature? You hug your children a lot. You try not to cry too much, but you do, and that's actually healthy. Um, you, you keep breaking rocks. Um, I do question, you know, many things. You know, uh, the end, the the end result is is again uh, change, uh, betterment, uh, and and the biggest uh, sort of gift we can give to ourselves uh, to be uh, more empathetic is to remove ourselves. Uh, from the the act of our importance and and put ourselves behind ourselves uh, because the importance is the the repertoire of life that's before us the, the the gift that those people are are sharing with us their lives and we're just an insignificant um, uh, piece of that and our role is 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 only that as a conduit uh, and that's why projects like Bridging Stories is, is even more important to me because it's nurturing our commonality among others who have equal important stories and it doesn't have to be National Geographic or Time Magazine. It can be our lives in our own backyards that, uh, that help foster understanding of our commonality so that we can stop putting these divisions which are what borders are and, and gender and race and ethnicity and religion all very heavy things that we as a, as a, as a collective species uh, choose to divide ourselves by 
uh, and uh, poetry. I don't want to just only say photography. So uh, poetry and music, and literature, uh, and photography, and, and art in general, uh, and lectures and pragmatism uh, all play a role. Uh, but in this dialogue, because you're talking about photography in, in this context, play uh, a role that can mitigate and, and, and propagate a growth of change. Uh, and if you're going to uh, exist in this world of indisputable reality, it is a, a heavy weight for all of us to carry. And that's what our job is to do, to, to, to carry that so that we can open doors within our hearts and in our minds, and dare we hope politicians and those who have far greater power than you and I have in this room, or even all of us at seven, have uh, to, to arrest consciousness, to make, dare we hope, change uh, universally. Look, Martin Luther King didn't end uh, racism. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi didn't uh, end uh, uh, the indifference of, of the caste system or, or, or indifference of, of, of religion uh, in his own country. Uh, Mother Teresa did not end poverty, uh, but, uh, and I am absolutely none of them, and, but I'm using them as an example that one person couldn't do it either. Not one, not one of these three of many others, um, but collectively we can. And that's our greatest possibility as visual storytellers, visual communicators. That is what will lift us all. Yeah, I mean, it puts me in mind of the the, um, the name of this podcast I stole from W. Eugene Smith, who said, uh, photography is a small voice at best, but sometimes one picture or a group of them can lure our sense of awareness. It's always there in the background because that's what the pod podcast is called, but um, it just seemed like a, an appropriate moment to sort of mention it because it's almost it's something similar to what you what you're saying it seems to me I, I, again you you're playing a, a, an equal purpose in turning the wheel of change you're giving a voice to my colleagues at seven you'll give in a very kind voice to me you'll give a very kind voice to anush after me uh and and those of you who are even so much kinder to even take the time to listen to this right time is the most valuable thing we have uh, you're only temporary here uh, you have to give this thing back that you're contained in and everyone listening has to and i'm very very thankful that that whoever is listening at whatever time we are here now today uh, you know the 27th of March and of uh, 2018 and and whatever moment that you're listening to this I, I thank you uh, because you're giving and in that act the only thing I can ever do is to give you something uh, and you uh, Ben are also giving as well uh, and and we give it's an act of giving and now it is uh, the 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 gift uh, to those listening and 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 the the, the possession uh, that's intangible to also be an ambassador to and a fellow human being a fellow sister a fellow brother to to be a, another conduit uh, of awareness if we're going to talk about uh, the, the, the very heavy topics that affect all of us, even in developed countries or the majority world, uh, to be able to realize that, that, that this is our only place we can be. And, and I don't think we will ever eradicate uh, you know, all of poverty. And we will always tragically find indifference. Um, but 
I believe as as if you look at you know 500 years ago, we're much more uh, at peace amongst each other than we ever have been, and that came from awareness and education and understanding. We have a long way to go still, uh, and and that's you asked me earlier what drives you forward. That 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 really is it. We have a long way to go, uh, and you're playing a role in that. Uh, and it's significant. Uh, everyone you're speaking with is playing a role, uh, and uh, everyone listening uh, will play a role as well, uh, because that's how we move forward, and that's the beauty. Yeah, I mean, speaking of moving forward, puts me in mind of uh, you know the days we're living in. Uh, there are times where it seems to be we're taking a bit of a, a backward step, and uh, I mean, when you have Donald Trump. You know, in the White House, it's uh, it makes you feel like, uh, you know, the powers of uh, ignorance really are are kind of uh, you know dominant at the moment, or at least um, have have um, some you know place that they that they they shouldn't have. Well, let's just say this is a very important time to learn uh, and right. to be aware, uh, and and uh, we must accept the, the space and time that we're in doesn't mean we cannot voice our concerns and our indifference to it. It doesn't mean we have to accept it. Um, but we do need to listen. Um, there, I, I live in the country that elected this uh, human being. Some people may say, well, he's not a human being, but I want to not create tension. It's a dialogue. And uh, uh, we did neglect in North America a group of people who had the floor fall out from them. Uh, they were, just happened to be, uh, predominantly male, fairer-skinned human beings. Uh, we paid attention, thankfully, to uh, you know, uh, racial indifference and gender inequality and in populated cities along the coastline, but we forgot that uh, the industrial heartland uh, had uh, the, the, the ground fall out beneath their feet. Uh, and they said enough is enough, and we didn't listen. Uh, and we now, I don't know if we, we, we have what we deserve, we have to go through it. Uh, it, it is a democracy as much as it uh, you know, is very upsetting. Uh, but let's learn from it. Let, let, let's educate uh, everyone uh, so that we can rise above this, 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 this heavy, heavy period. Uh, because uh, these issues affect us globally, and and uh, uh, I just finished a story, and it's 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 uh, in this month or April issue of National Geographic, all on uh, on our indifference, us versus them, uh, and yes, this this, this present uh, president uh, tends to seem to foster this division of us versus them. Uh, I actually am going to look at the cup overflowing and say that through these uh, heavy periods, uh, we will grow. Uh, we will, we will uh, be able to uh, expand upon the work that, that has been done by so many uh, to bridge and overcome these indifferences so that we can realize that us versus them uh, only divides, only makes us all blind, uh, only hurts all of us. Um, and. Uh, and now, of course, more than ever, uh, we need these uh, voices to uh, to counterbalance these these dark times, uh, but to to learn from it, new creative ways to uh, to enlighten all of us. Well, you mentioned National Geographic. I ought to before we we, we wrap up. I ought to I ought to touch upon it because that's the other 
you know, extremely long-term kind of professional relationship you've had with a publication. Is there a particular ethos or approach that Nat Geo has to photography that, that, you know, makes it unique that you could, I mean, if you were trying to explain it to someone who wasn't aware of, um, you know, the magazine world and, and the way that things work in that world? Natural Geographic is very absolutely unique uh, and and one of its always uh, sort of pinnacle uh, element of that was uh, that of time they they understand the need uh, to give time to uh, to uh, create and tell stories uh, they also have you know, many pages to fill these are not you know short two page three page stories they are you know 15 to 40 pages long and uh, they take time uh, they they have the, uh, the the wonderful ability and very very thankful ability to keep us in the field a little bit longer than 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 other publications. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, they nurture us. You work with a with an editor uh, who who grows you. Who is a conductor. You know, we were talking about in the workshops that that uh, that we teach that um, we're just conductors and I use that 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 term uh, as myself or those that I'm collaborating with in, in workshops uh, the same way as uh, very much of how I've always seen a, a photo editor they're the, they're the conductor because the workshops that I teach are actually like little mini uh, sort of National Geographic uh, sort of scaled and based assignments uh, they're assignment based workshops and uh, Granted, they're they're usually you know eight nine days long, ten days uh, as compared to you know forty days or or, or sixty days, um, but uh, but you it's the immersion that we're able to get into the story, uh, in the act of of visually writing that story, and that's what makes National Geographic unique. And uh, I mean, as the photographer, also, do you feel that you're given? Um, some freedom to you know to steer the story yourself rather than just simply being kind of a hired gun who is trying to deliver what they've already asked you for I mean is there a sense of creative freedom they will not hire me to do a story on the harp seals of, of you know Antarctica and uh, and uh, as much as I would actually like to do a story in Antarctica or the North Pole even though there's probably not many people there uh, I'm not going to get those assignments uh, they will commission me for uh, specific uh, not stories but uh, um, ways that I approach storytelling and when I am asked to do those stories I'm given pretty much free reign to do uh, to drive the narrative in and but I don't want to I'm not it almost would feel selfish uh, I don't want to do it alone I want to work with a great editor who who, who guides me because it, it becomes too self I want to learn I want to be taken places and stretched and inspired uh, which is what a great conductor does uh, and, and what a great photo editor does is that role of inspiration. I just worked with Vaughn Wallace on the Us and Them story. Uh, he's such a beautiful conductor. I worked many, many stories with a former editor who is no longer at the magazine, Kim Hubbard, on the Out of Eden uh, Walk project that is a multi-year uh, story about all of us. 
uh, needed a great conductor. I've worked with one of the best, best conductors ever on three or four stories, uh, Sarah Lean, who is now the director of photography at National Geographic. She is the most pontificate, most eloquent, most uh, inspiring, most poignant conductor I've ever had. She's reshaped my whole way of thinking, of, of, of approaching stories. So, yes, I'm given, the, and I think we all are at the magazine, given very much a, a wide breadth within the, the, the overarching theme of the story. You're not going to do a story on indifference, uh, us versus them, and go and photograph you know, harp seals, right? <laughs> so uh, the, the reality is, is that you are given a, a, a huge uh, responsibility, um, and uh, that responsibility is, is to uh, communicate uh, to the lar lar largest, uh, you know, eyeballs and ears possible, which is very, very thankful and, and, and very, very, very heavy. Um, and uh, and with a great conductor, you also can uh, dialogue with that that editor to um, to shape the story. And I'd say eighty percent of the stories that I work on are shaped by me in deep collaboration. Yeah. With, so you're really embracing the collaboration of it. It seems to me, you know, that 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 you're just really get, getting the most out of that. You're process. still the one playing every instrument in that symphony. You have to play the, the moaning uh, oboe. You have to uh, play the, the roaring timpani. You have to play you know, every, every complication along the violin or the cello. And you even have to play that little quiet triangle way in the background that you can barely hear. And you have to play them all. Uh, and you have to give to them all, and and then with an editor conducting uh, the the those pieces, uh, you have to you have to be Itzhak Perlman on the violin every day, every day, uh, and uh, and and it's a very beautiful thing to be able to do. It's challenging, it's exhausting, but such is life. Uh, you know, nothing comes from nothing. And, and, uh, and it's a beautiful act of giving uh, and, and dialogue with your, your fellow human beings. I have to ask you a little bit about the um, picture that won the World Press overall prize a few years ago that you took, um, which, you know, I think people will, will be familiar. I'll try to explain it, but I'm, I also might put it uh, as the image to accompany this uh, interview, um, it was a picture of some migrants on a beach in Djibouti, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, uh, and it's at night and the, the moon is shining and they're holding up their cell phones. Um, can you just kind of explain briefly the circumstances that led up to that, to that situation? So many of the, the, the things, at least that I do in this thing we call photography, um, are, are just there and complete serendipity and unexpected, expecting nothing and just being thankful for what there is. And, uh, and, and I was working on, as I still am, uh, this multi-year project uh, called the Out of Eden Walk, uh, retracing our ancestors' footprints out of Africa that began about 50,000, 60,000 years ago. Uh, I'm not... Uh, the official walker, uh, Paul Salopek, the writer, is walking 
from Ethiopia, the cradle of our, we, we, we all, I don't care where you come from today, uh, but we all uh, collectively as a family uh, originate in a, an area of the world that today we call the Horn of Africa. And if we want to be a little more specific, we all, by and large, although we are discovering some other homo sapien bones in, in Egypt recently, uh, but uh, we all, by and large, uh, collectively come from uh, the Afar region of, of Ethiopia, of present-day Ethiopia, and uh, we only look different out of our, on our exterior because of around 2,500, 2,700 breeding cycles uh, or generations, but to distill it a little bit more understanding, uh, breeding cycles, and the only reason why we have different color of skin is geography dictates that in genetics. Uh, which is why my blood can go into that of a member of the Dinka tribe and your blood can go into that of somebody in Argentina or, or uh, one of the original walkers ancestral uh, to North America, uh, somebody of, of, of Mayan or, or, or Inca ethnicity. Uh, we're, we're just all different on the outside, and that's what's beautiful. And so we were in, uh, I had arrived to Djibouti, after traveling, uh, walking, and, and, and traveling by land cruiser through Ethiopia. And, uh, and I think it was my second day there, and, and um, it, it's, an, it's an act that I often do uh, when I go someplace, even if it's where I've been, uh, and I also tell uh, photographers that I'm, I'm teaching when they're in a, in a difficult situation or, uh, of trying to tell a story. I say, go get lost. Just go get lost. Uh, and in the act then also of, of being able to find yourself uh, and find, dare we hope, the narrative of the story. Uh, so I was there, again, like day two, day three, I can't remember. Uh, and I was with a uh, you know, dear friend now and, and my translator fixer, uh, Stanislaus. And it was getting late, and, and Stanislaus said, you know, well, it's getting late, don't you, you need to go back to your hotel? I'm like, no, it's, 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 that, that, this is the most beautiful time. Let, let's go get lost. Let's, let's walk down along this beach. And we're just walking um, along the beach and uh, had been earlier photographing uh, men and women playing uh, football uh, in the sort of industrialized heart of, of Djibouti on the Red Sea. And we're just walking along the, the sand, and we're talking. We're talking about our kids, about life. And I wasn't you know, expecting nothing. I had no idea where, where we were going. I kind of thought we were going in maybe the direction of whatever hotel I was in. I really didn't know, didn't really care. Um, and I don't know, like an hour of walking along the sand, uh, I see these people uh, standing uh, on the beach, and they're all holding you know, mobile phones in their hand. I'm like... Stanislaus, what are these people doing here? And, and he says, oh, well, these are uh, uh, people from Somalia and Somaliland and Ethiopia, uh, and they, they go into the, the black market uh, and get uh, SIM cards from neighboring Somalia, and it's illegal because, of course, the Djiboutian government, which has its own telephone company, wants you to use their uh, SIM cards, right? Uh, and and they, they get these cards from Somalia, uh, and they stand in one or two places along the beach here, because if they're lucky enough, about 40, 50 kilometers away, 
is Somalia, and, and uh, they can pick up the signal. And they call it catching. So they, they stand in the air and they wave their phones around or stand there. And, and many of I live in the Berkshires of, of western Massachusetts, and it's a very rural area, and uh, we don't have signal all the time. And, you know, I've seen people stop their car and stand up and hold their phone up, right? Uh, but uh, it, it was a, a very... Uh, there's there's one thing to see one person, and maybe another thing to see two people. It's a whole other thing when there's you know, 10 or 12 people doing it. And so he, of course, uh, didn't find it that interesting. And I said, wait a second, Stanislaus. This is exactly the story of our uh, uh, migration, uh, because they're doing the exact same thing that we were doing 60,000 years ago, uh, walking by foot. Most of, most of, if not all of them, uh, 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 people from Ethiopia and Somali and Somaliland, walk through Ethiopia. Ethiopia to get to the Red Sea to then take uh, small boats uh, onward into either Saudi Arabia or Yemen and onward to, to continental Europe. So w when we see these you know horrific stories, and I've been there in Turkey and, and Greece a few years ago of, of people arriving you know by boat, well they didn't just magically appear in Turkey and they didn't just magically appear in Greece. They walked most of the time, especially if it's from continental Africa, uh, to get to water. Uh, and so that act of catching a signal uh, was the only tenuous link that these fellow human beings had to the only stable thing in, that, in their lives, and in, in all of our lives, and that is those people who care about us. Uh, and in our act of migration today, uh, communication plays a, 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 a vital role in our emotional stability. Uh, I met people on that <coughs> and our future. I met people on that beach who were uh, catching the signal to Somalia, uh, who were using then Skype to then, uh, and also uh, Somalia has the lowest uh, telephone network uh, uh, in, in probably all the world. Uh, they're calling onward to Sweden to talk to their families who had already gotten to Sweden and who were getting, and, and gentlemen asking when his papers were coming in so that he could continue the act of migration. So that, that image along the Red Sea is, is really the story that belongs to all of us. So you were immediately aware of the sort of symbolic uh, significance of, of that moment, uh, you know, as, as you came across it. It wasn't... Uh, I don't know if it was symbolic. I, the only thing I, I, at the time that I was, and even to this day, uh, is, is it was the, the, it was part of the narrative that's, of the story yeah, of migration that's kind that of I was what working I mean. on. Yeah, you, uh, the significance of it, I suppose, uh, rather than... The, the connective the, tissue. Yeah. And, um, but... I guess I'm always slightly fascinated to ask whether at the time you were aware of it uh, being a bit of a, a special picture or was it just another okay let's let's knock this one off let's get this in the in the camera or did you know did it seem at the time not that you could ever imagine it would you know that you could ever predict it would win the world press uh, overall prize but did you did you think of it as a bit of a bit of an iconic image or was it just another good shot I didn't think anything other than that I could feel a very uh, significant uh, piece of the narrative of the story of our collective migration, uh, whether I don't enter contests to enter contests, magazines uh, like us to enter in these contests, and completely had even forgotten that I had 
you know, whatever it is, you know, sent in the work, submitted the work months earlier, and you know, just didn't even think about it. Um, was there a feeling, I, you know, that the 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 pieces came together? It, it was. Uh, I went back to the to the beach uh, once or twice. Um, because I knew that that I could feel or imagine that, that sooner or later the the layers of this the theater that is humanity would would fall into an interesting you know I had no idea what it would fall into to be perfectly honest but the first night that I was there when I stumbled upon it with Stanislaus uh, you know about 15 20 minutes later the police came and, and raided the beach because they know that they're cheating the telecom system uh, but it's very expensive otherwise to to call and these are you know just fellow human beings who are trying to to communicate to their to their loved ones uh, and and then I had sprained my my leg walking through a, a lava field an ancient lava field uh, earlier along the migration path of, of the, the, the the hundred plus thousand people who every year walk to this day through the same humanities corridor that we've been walking through that part of the world for again you know 50 to 60,000 years and uh, and I was uh, just crouched on a you know a pile of, of rubbish uh, and and within you know one frame it all just came together but I didn't like I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I'm seeing. Right? Uh, we're we're blind unless I'm using a, a rangefinder. I can't see the actual picture I'm taking. Right? Uh, but I can feel it, and and I felt as I did then, and as I do now, that I facilitated my purpose as a communicator, and nothing more than mm. that. Quite interesting to know. I suppose not. There's any real significance to it, but that that picture would not have been possible. Um, without you know modern digital technology because of the you know just i imagine it would have been just too dark to to get anything um you know w w the sensitivity of of modern digital cameras being uh, so good yeah some of that played into it but i you know i remember was just going through the archive uh, on some pictures the other day uh you know, we would take 400 slide film and, and push it. Uh, I would take Kodachrome and, and push Kodachrome to uh, 800. Uh, that picture from Djibouti, uh, it, was a, it was a full moon, so it, yeah. it was quite bright. Um, but yes, uh, it's just a paintbrush, uh, and, and uh, there's ways to hold still. Um, and I even for that, I don't know what the settings were. I'm sure I could look them up. I think you're at 10,000 10, ISO. <laughs> oh, as far you as looked. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, well, that's uh, what I was. That's all. I, that's the only reason I, I mentioned it. But I, I think the serendipity of, as you say, you know, you kind of, you you make your own luck to some extent, and then the photo gods kind of smile upon you. The fact that the moon was was full is what is what kind of gave you you know enough light to photography so you were rewarded is, photography is 99% problem solving 1% photography wrapped around 100% serendipity and good luck and and you hopefully have a few moments where serendipity and and, and the pieces come together and sometimes you have to work them really hard and uh, again I, I i understand the significance and in the story it was the lead picture in 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 in, the, in that issue um but uh i don't remember con contests are subjective and uh, and uh, you, 
I don't make these decisions, and I'm I'm humbled and I'm thankful, uh, but I'm more appreciative that that it raises. You know, it sounds really like a cliche, but that that it it, it keeps in the dialogue of migration today, and and I'm still working as I have for a long time on projects related to migration, and they're, they're, we're still migrating on our planet, oftentimes because of conflict and 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 uh, and, and disparity, which is actually what happened also sixty thousand years ago. We were we wandered out of Africa um, uh, in search of resources, uh, uh, dealing with other biped species, Homo uh, uh, um, Neanderthal, Artheopithecus. Uh, we we conquered the land, but we were competing for resources and and, uh, and hope and opportunity, and that's no different than what, what's happening today. Hmm. What are you working on at the moment? Anything in particular that's uh, uh, you know exciting you? Everything's exciting. Uh, Out of Eden continues. I'll be. We're, Paul is in India now. We, we, Paul's walked through nine countries, I think, ten countries. We're into our fifth year of the Out of Eden walk. Um, I'm working on the eighth story for the Out of Eden Walk. It's the first time the National Geographic has ever done this enormously long-form narrative uh, storytelling. They've done stories in the past that were two issues, but now we're into eight issues of it. Um, uh, working on a project in China for a, uh, through uh, Annie Griffith's um, Ripple uh, Agency, uh, uh, educational uh, project in China, uh, and um, you know, every day trying to do you know something in my self-publishing side, and uh, a few workshops in the works, and uh, you know breathing. I'm going to wrap it up and let you go because uh, I massively appreciate the the time oh, that you've you're given very me. Kind. Thank it's you. been it's been a real treat. And a thrill. You're very kind. No, I could I could talk to you. I listen to you talk for a lot longer, but um, and I, I know that the listeners will feel the same way. Thank you very much, John. No, you're very kind. Thank you, then. Mm-hmm.